This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Welcome to Draft Class. The season two finale is upon us. That's insane to say out loud. I cannot believe we are through with a second successful season of Draft Class. I'll say it. I thought we had a great time this season so far, and I hope you guys have a great time listening to this episode coming up. The NBA Draft went down last night. Recording on Friday, June 23rd. The draft was Thursday, the 22nd. Many of you came out and hung out with me to watch the draft live on YouTube or on Twitter for Knicks Film School's watch party. If you did pop out, if you did watch a little bit, asked a question in the comments, left a chat. I appreciate you and I thank you a lot. Um, it was really awesome to share last night with you guys and get to hang out and talk with you all and with John and Andrew. So that was really cool. Um, and something I really, really don't take for granted. I think that's like such a cool way to spend draft night hanging out with like 600 of my virtual friends. I don't know. I, you guys are the best and you're awesome. And I, I can't thank you enough for just being you. Um, so thanks on top of that. It's kind of crazy seeing these guys that I've watched over I don't know we're we're in the triple digits of hours so what you know my brain melted by the end of the cycle I was up until 5 a.m. every night the, the, this past week tweaking my big board and and watching more film on guys that I that I was stuck between and and just I love it. I love that work. My parents think I'm insane and my friends think I'm insane. My friends reached out like concerned that they hadn't heard from me. I was like, "Oh, no, I'm just I'm sleeping from five to 11 in the morning every day and then getting back to work. And they're like, oh, okay. Cause they know that's, that's just how I am. <laughs> um, sometimes I'll go AWOL on them for a little, it's probably basketball related. So um, yeah, don't be friends with me, I guess is the takeaway here. But basically the NBA draft was a lot of fun and we got a lot of surprise picks, a lot of picks that um, made us go, whoa. And we got a lot of picks also that made a lot of sense and we're very on brand for teams. Um, we had some people fall. Nick Smith and Bryce Sensabaugh to the end of the first round had some people rise. Olivier Maxens Prosper and Ben Shepard both taken before those two. Um, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I made three videos on TikTok with the YKB app talking about Jaime Jaquez Jr., Ben Shepard, and also Olivier Maxens Prosper as three guys I liked for the Knicks, three guys I liked in the first round in general. Um, and all three got taken in the first round. I thought that was really cool, really good for them. And also a testament to these NBA teams scouting. There is no leg up that anyone out there has on them. I thought I was discovering the ninth wonder of the world by telling you guys about those three. And all three were gone by pick 26. Not even the end of the first. We got that's like the that's like the end of the middle of the first. <laughs> you know, I just these teams don't miss a beat. Um, some another shocking fall was Leonard Miller going to Minnesota at 33, I believe. Um, and and uh, we even saw a 10. You know, I'm a Fordham guy, so I got a shout out to Monty Kamara getting drafted at 52. The Phoenix Suns, good for him. Really hope we see Khalid Moore and Darius Quisenberry from Fordham with some cool landing spots um, for summer league. Speaking of summer league, the Knicks made some moves, and I'm sure you guys are trying to hear about those two players. So I have a very special guest for this last week, little collab episode with KFTV. We got Jeff Campbell on the show for this week. Before we get right into that interview, I have one last comment and it's thank you all so much for being my Knicks family. Um, and, And as a fan base for embracing me, uh, as a content creator, embracing me as a beat reporter, embracing me as a draft analyst. Uh, I am very grateful to be, to have your guys' ears. Um, and, and it helps me go not insane. Cause I'd be telling my neighbor and my friends about these draft picks. I got to tell someone. So the fact that I get to tell people that care is something that I am really grateful for. Cause I'd be telling my dog 
I'd drive him crazy. He'd start barking at me. And I, you know, I don't need that in my life. So thank you guys for being here. I hope you enjoy the final episode of season two of the draft class podcast for Nick's film school. Joining me now on the latest episode of draft class for Nick's film school is Jeff Campbell, AKA I, I call him like the jack of all trades. I feel like Jeff is always like he's like good at everything. He is a contributor for Knicks Fan TV and he writes about literally anything Knicks related for them and always brings the heat, whether it's draft, free agency, in season adjustments, you name it. And Jeff's also a school psychologist, which I like to bring up because personally, as you guys know from listening to draft class, I love talking about the human side of sports a lot. And Jeff brings um, a really unique perspective, not just because of whatever job he would have had. I'm sure he would, but also then because of his job is really knowledgeable on that area of things. And I always enjoy playing idea ping pong with Jeff, where we kind of just like get things back and forth until we agree somewhere in the middle. And then I'm more comfortable. You know, if I get to average my takeout with Jeff's, it's probably a little more rational at the end of it. So Jeff, welcome in here to draft class. I- I'm almost sorry that we don't have like a high profile draft pick for you to come in and analyze, but I've realized that that happened last year too. And, and I think I still found a way to look at that draft and talk about what it meant for the Knicks, the the guys they did add in Keels and, you know, then the UDFAs. And we've got some undrafted free agents, some two-way deal guys to to briefly talk about here. Um, but first of all, how you doing? I'm doing great. Chris, it's just awesome to chop it up with you. Um, super appreciative to be on the draft class pod here. I love what you guys are doing. Um, and I'm just, um, I'm excited to chop it up, talk about the Knicks philosophy, what they've done, what they haven't done, the guys that they've signed recently. And, uh, yeah, it's been a, it was a really interesting draft last night, not just for the Knicks, but for other teams as well. So I'm pumped to get into it. Absolutely. I think the Knicks, um, you know, everyone is going to be upset, I think is the elephant in the room. Um, I always say, you know, at the risk of commodifying players, but for the sake of analogy, I kind of have to go along with it. Um, but my mom taught me that, you know, if I, maybe I'll get too into the weeds here. Like, I have type one diabetes and I used to get a lot of blood work done as a kid and all that stuff. And so if I had like three blood work sessions in a week or something, you know, I'd get to go pick out like a Pixar, like cars toy or a Thomas, the tank engine. Um, And weirdly enough, from this experience, my mom taught me a very valuable lesson, which is these things cost money. If there's nothing in the store that you particularly like, don't lie and tell me you do. I'll, you know, I'll buy it for you, but th- don't pretend you like it. We'll come back another time and I'll just get you something then that you like even more, you know, and that requires patience, but ends up reaping the most benefits. You end up getting something you really want. Um, and, you know, in last year's draft with who was taken in the top 10, by the time it got to 11, Toys R Us was out of of everything, everything the Knicks wanted. Um, And so they traded it in for a gift card. They said, we'll be back, (laughs) you know, and then (laughs) they traded that gift card for the cap space gift card. They swiped on Hartenstein and Brunson and no one includes Hartenstein as part of that deal, even though he is uh, because he was also, you know, used with the no one except for Jeremy Cohn um, because he's on top of everything. But I feel like it's the average conversation about that is like, oh, it just was just for Brunson. We could have had Jalen Williams. And it's like, well, I well, I had Jalen Williams really high on my board. I actually thought the Knicks should really go after him. I still think it was worth it for them to not <laughs> and do what they did. So these things always have to play out a little bit. It's hard when you leave the store to keep in mind that you're going to be able to come back, that you're going to be able to potentially get something you actually want or want way more. But that moment 
when you have to speak up and tell mom, hey, I'll get nothing this time. Like, I know my arm's bleeding. I'll get nothing this time. (laughs) Let's just go home. You know, how do you feel about that? Not just as a Nick fan, but then also as someone with the platform who informs so many Nick fans, like what's kind of, how do you feel? And then what's the angle on, you know, just explaining that that's not the end of the world. The off season did not just end. There's, there's free agency. There is trades to happen. I mean, I think that's a perfect way to really start this conversation because it goes past, there's a certain level of discipline, right? That you have to have to kind of um, not engage in instant gratification for whatever reason. But I think even more so, like Chris, for you and me guys that cover the draft, I'm sure last year we both went into the situation feeling like we knew three or four guys, depending on where they were going to pick that we liked, that we thought could fit needs, that we thought would be great. So even for us, it's difficult to be like, you traded back and it's like, yeah, Leon Rose has a plan and we love Walt Perrin and we know Brock Aller is involved. And it's like, okay, I, I, I can see where this is going. But then you start to see some of the names that get picked. And you're kind of like, hmm, all right. But um, that's what you have to do if you have a plan and, and you really feel like there's um, a bigger picture to be had. And, and we saw with the Knicks the way that it turned out, um, at least, you know, when you're able to bring in a Jalen Brunson and you see what kind of impact he has on your team and your franchise going forward. Okay, now I, now I can see the big picture. It's still difficult, though, you know, and, and listen, I know that there's been a lot of guys on Twitter that look at a Jalen Duran or, or, you know, other guys that were picked around that range. It, w- it was hard for me to look at that, too, and, you know, to, to see kind of the potential and, and whatnot. But, you know, I think if you are an executive, um, executives always kind of have this long term picture in mind. That's that's got to be, you know, they they have an A, a B, a C, and D plan, and they stick to it. Um, you got to have respect for a franchise and a and a front office that's willing to do that, despite what are, what people are going to say. Because I remember when Steve Mills, I was going to say the days of the quick fix. Exactly, I remember when Steve Mills was here, and you would hear reports that, well, you know. They're they're very much thinking how are fans going to respond to this? You know, we we don't want to be, you know, getting killed on the back pages. You start to hear things like that, and it shows you that your front office doesn't necessarily have the spine or the fortitude that it needs to make really tough decisions and to deal with the fallout, whatever it's going to be. So, you know, even if I don't necessarily agree with um decisions that are made in the here and now, I can understand that this per, this front office in particular has built enough equity for me personally to say, okay, I'm willing to see the big picture six months, a season, and then say, well, that didn't really work out or it did work out. So that's kind of where I'm at with them. Jeff, I'm going to tell a story and I have to be weird and vague about it as to not give up too too much and you'll get that in a second but there is a team that selected before the thunder and the clippers either team in the kevin knox draft shea gilgis alexander went to the clippers but like the hornets took him and they swapped picks or something like the you know like the the clippers had to move up like one spot to secure him they had 12 and 13 and he went at 11 something like that but they got him anyway um it, obviously not Kevin Knox because he's not a guard, but I can tell you this. I've heard for real that there is a team ahead of that Shea Gilgis Alexander pick whose head scout said to the GM and owner, like our guy is Gilgis Alexander. And the owner goes, oh, but the fan base really wanted this other guy. And they took a different guard straight yeah. up. They drafted a different guard um, and overruled the scout who said, like 
his who did his job um because the owner saw the instagram comment sections on the page uh clamoring for this one player he was like well you know, it's the same position and the, the fans want this guy oh and he might as well sell some more jerseys might as well bet on him if you know so many people think he, it was like why hire the scout <laughs> you know um but to me i think for nick fans at least as someone that covers the team and, and sees pretty much only Thibodeau field questions having to do with any roster construction or anything like I know it's tough for fans to, to put out their half of the handshake of faith uh, between the front office and, and the fandom. But I think the Knicks are putting out their half by allowing this front office to make these moves that are so clearly oriented towards the long term. Because the same Nick fans that hate the days of old hated when the person who just traded every draft pick the Suns have for the next decade was running their team. You know, I, I think this is what the other side feels like. And I promise this grass is greener. The other grass is not. <laughs> I know the grass is always greener. That grass is not greener. It may not be as fun to roll around in, but when you get up, you know, like this, this is the grass to be in. This is the lawn, <laughs> you know, the, the slow moving, uh, slow and steady wins the race. Um, because the, the at pick, you know, throw a dart at the board of previous Nick regimes. Uh, they would have just, gone on it all in on on Brunson and Murray comma DeJounte adding the two of them last offseason to Randall and being like this is it right. we got the stars now you got a now, now our window is the next two or three years and whatever we have to do to make it work you know not looking at the potential fallout of what that contract and or what the ceiling of your team looks like with those two exactly for over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a waist slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird. B-I-R-D, dogs, D-O-G-S, dot com, and promo code POOL, P-O-O-L, to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Now, I will say, as, you know, throw a semicolon, now this side of the discussion, I will say, scared money doesn't make any, you know, those all those phrases, you got to take risks, and, you know, the quarterback that, never takes a risk, but has the high completion percentage still might not win the game because the guy who has two interceptions, but threw the 60 yarder to win it completed it. And they won like 
sometimes you got to throw it deep. Sometimes you got to, yeah, yeah. And that's why you had people like Jeremy Cohen and myself both saying the Knicks would be best served uh, getting into this draft and, and splurging on some of the value that would be there from that 20 to 35 range. Um, but you know, the 25 to 35 range became the 20 to 30 range quick prior to draft night. Um, Ben Shepard went to Belmont, someone who I identified as a capital P pairing guy. And I'm thinking, okay, he'll be there at 36. He'll be there at 38, maybe gone by 40. The Knicks could trade up to like that 32 pick that Denver has and get him there. And then the Pacers take him at 26. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that, you know, that's done. Um, that last year, like you were saying, you know, you have three or four guys. I had Johnny Davis, number one on my yeah, list. Yeah, Johnny Davis. Yeah. Johnny cool. Davis, number one on my list. Uh, uh, Tari Eason, number two. Yeah. And Jalen Williams, number three. Yeah. So if it were up to me, I would have just taken Eason there at 11. Um, but if T- Davis were there, I would have taken him. Yeah. And the fan base would have been all over me. Right. Calling for my head. So, right. you know, if, if, it, you kind of just got to look at that as what it is. Um, there's always going to be a reaction, but for me, I think you do have to acknowledge that the moves the Knicks did make and they made, I want to say three, um, but basically, you know, starting out with the name that everyone had a comment on um, with Jacob Toppin, then Jalen Martin out of overtime elite. And then someone agreed with them on an exhibit 10 deal who I am blanking on. Um, like recently, unless oh. it was Martin. So yeah, I, I have to actually look that up, but the first two guys, Martin and Toppin, I think are kind of very much the, <laughs> very much the, guys that represent how this draft went for the Knicks. You know, I, I think that um, it's low risk, low reward. Um, I, I don't think you're expecting Toppin or Martin to blossom into someone who in the next two years is playing serious minutes in your rotation. Um, but they also each present there are certain pros and cons. Toppin, I think, is the better of the two right now out of Kentucky um, and brings energy to the table right away. But when, when you have Martin, who's such a project, uh, not really as good right now, but I think he has the upside. He has the frame. Tools are there for sure. Yeah. He, he's an athlete. He has the frame. So top in to me, and you know, I hate putting a label so early, but that's part of what you have to do as part of the draft process. I had him not on my board as like a quadruple a type of NBA player where he'd be really good his whole career in the G league. Or if he played overseas, he'll make a lot of money and I don't knock the overseas path. Like, I, I think um, I also thought that was the best path for, for one of the guys coming out of Fordham um, who I love, but I think that's the best path for, path for him is just being a star on an overseas team uh, for the next couple of years, getting that bag um, top in someone who I saw like, okay, he could, he could do NBA for a little bit now that because he's young and you know, like this is how we'll start out, get him the pedigree. And then maybe it's like a, a career of G leaguing or playing overseas but the catch and shoot comes along, you know, there's a, there's something there and could be someone who eventually turns into one of those guys where it's like, he's, he plays every once in a while and the fan base might be like, Oh, we should, we should see more of him. And the team's like, there are reasons why we're not seeing more of him. And just becomes one of those like in-betweeners. If I had to guess, that's what I would project him for. Martin, I think, is more boomer bust, which I really like. I think that's how you do UDFAs. I do like that the Knicks dipped their toe into each pond, um, going one boomer bust, one quadruple A player, and and just 
having guys for summer league uh, that are not named Trevor Keels because it'd be a one man show out there otherwise, or maybe they'd bring back Wayne Selden too. Um, but I know the fan base loves him. Um, but basically thoughts on Jacob Toppin on Jalen Martin, do they contrast to you in philosophy as well? Or do you see them kind of similarly philosophically uh, out there in terms of what the Knicks are looking for? Just you, you get your chance now to sound off on, on either guy or both. Yeah, rather. I, I think, um, I think the way you framed it, I, I like the contrast for both of them in the sense that like philosophically, um, Jalen is the guy that has a great NBA frame, six, six, um, can, can fill that type of like wing role that you're looking for. If things really hit all the way, 19 years old, but is very raw and there's a lot of work that you need to do there. Toppin is a four-year college guy. Started off in Rhode Island, obviously spent most of his career in Kentucky. But the one thing I want, I do want to talk about Toppin a little bit. The one thing, and I also want to get your thoughts on this too. The one thing that I saw a lot today that I was, I don't know that I really buy into a lot. So I saw a lot of Nick's Twitter saying, you know, Obi Toppin is on the way out or maybe he's not. And we bring Jacob Toppin in to appease him somehow or some way. And like, listen, Obi is his brother. So of course there's some connection there, but I don't think that the Knicks brought Jacob Toppin into this team to somehow placate or satisfy Obi in any way, shape or form. Like if they didn't think that he would add something to their G league squad or whatever, I truly believe in my heart that they would not have signed him. And I don't think Obi Toppin is the type of player that if you were going to make that type of move, that you would do it for him. So I, I just want to get that out there because I saw a lot of that today and I was kind of like, that just doesn't fit Leon Rose. That doesn't fit Tibbs. That doesn't fit what I think Walt Perrin or any anybody in the Knicks front office is about bringing in someone's brother to, you know, placate. And I understand that the connect the Kentucky CAA connections, whatever, like I, I get it. Right. But Jacob Toppin has been a really solid improver throughout his career. I don't think people are giving him, you know, he's a guy that's worked out a lot with David Zenon, who I know has done a lot of Nick's Twitter circuits. He's been on Nick's fan TV a lot. He's worked with Obi as well. Really good trainer. Like, I don't think people are giving Jacob Toppin the credit that he deserves in the sense of when you're known as a high flyer and when you're known primarily for your athleticism, it's difficult to make that transition to some of the other skill set levels of like what you do offensively in a court. And so if you look at the difference between his junior to his senior year, there's an uptick in points per game. Okay, that's cool. The efficiency is not necessarily there. But if you watch him, you saw him processing the game differently and you saw his mid-range jumper really emerge a lot. Now, again, the efficiency numbers weren't there, but being comfortable with taking that shot, knowing when to take it. And I thought he was a really solid player for Kentucky. And again, like you said earlier, is he going to make an impact on the team? Is he going to crack a rotation? Listen, you asked me to put money on it. I would say no, but I like Jacob Toppin. I liked what I saw from him in the games that I watched from Kentucky and I like his progression. So if you tell me, if you show me a worker, if you show me someone who's improved steadily, but they also have an athletic upside and they have good size, I'm willing to take a bet on that. So I like them signing Jacob Toppin. Um, and Jayla Martin, like you said before, the boomer bust. That is what you do with the UFD um, FA. And, and I, I love it. Yeah, I love it. And what I saw with the tape that I watched on him personally, everything is flashes. When you see him defensively, there are flashes of him being a really good on-ball defender, getting his hands in the passing lanes, making it really difficult for people to get by him. He's got decent flashes with being a self-creator, driving into the paint, spraying it out. Um, I think offensively, he's probably at his best when he drives to the rim. 
uses a, a shot fake, you know, to try and get into the paint. But listen, he played an OTE and something that I found a lot, especially last year with watching OTE when I was doing a lot of like Gene Montero tape is yep. defense is like optional there. So, you know, it's tough. But at the end of the day, um, this is the type of guy you take like a, a, a very, you know, interesting chance on. Risk-free you, flyer. Yeah, risk-free. You I know. I sound like I'm selling insurance, but it's, no, it's risk-free. It is. You bring, <laughs> you bring him into your camp. You see what your coaches can do with him. And you figure it out. And if it doesn't work in a year, it's not a big deal. And if it does, great. You look smart. So I, I like both of the deals. When I, I actually started working on something for Knicks fan TV prior to this draft, and both Jalen Martin and Toppin were two of the five guys, um, or maybe three, that I said, if they went undrafted, take a look at them. So you know what? The Knicks did. And we'll see what happens. Well, love that. Good call by you two times. Um, but I totally agree. Also worth noting, the new CBA, e- even with all of its wrinkles and warts, is adding a third two-way spot. So, you know, that means you should go even more boomer bust you know, with your with yeah. your stuff um, or with your signings. I, I just think that's the way to go, especially if you're a team that's looking for guys who can help now you know they're not going to play right away. It's okay if they're not good right away. Like a, a lot of people have kind of said about Martin, like, oh, he didn't seem that good at basketball this season. Um, but I just think that he he shows promise enough where you, you kind of you kind of have to just go, oh, okay, I see the playoff games. And I see what they see in terms of him intriguing um, in, in that sense. So, you know, with, with, I think it was Teg who's with the Strickland um, who put out a, yeah, yeah. Jalen Martin in the semifinals of the, of the OTE playoffs, 25 points per game, nine rebounds a game on 43, 38, 68 splits. So, you know, that is, playoff that's a playoff environment for them obviously it's not the same as any sort of collegiate or nba playoff environment but those are the most serious games of the year for ote so him doing his best in those games may be related in that sense he got a year of development and then was able to show some stuff um yeah love love that for them from them um and i think the the thing about these two moves is that the the odds say that with UDFA guys, we'll be sitting here in a year and neither of these guys will even be associated with the team anymore. They'll just be coming back for summer league again and to, to go play for Westchester. Um, and that's okay. Cause these yeah. were the UDFA guys, you know, that's, that's what you're doing is you're just, these are, I, I always say the draft process in itself is kind of like trying to hit a moving target with a dart. And the target's tiny in the sense where, like, you have to get where the league is going and get who's going to be, you know, like, I think Noah Clowney is someone who his production absolutely doesn't match where he went in the draft. But oh my God, if he, you can develop him right, he is the four to have next to this new era of five the Chet, Wemby, Bull, uh, Grant Nelson, even after next year. Um, this new, the new unicorn. Right, yeah. the 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 new Nicorn. Well, I'll give up on that. <laughs> um, Andrew's shaking his head in the back. Basically, you you've got you've got um this new archetype of of awesome player that has a compliment. It's it's a Yang that has a Yin, and you can go and get that Yin in this draft, even if you don't have the Yang yet. Like, yeah, okay, you make things happen. Um, for the Knicks, these are two guys that, like, long term, I could see being, you know, like an eleventh man, um, that next man up for Thibodeau's rotation when the team is serious and and they are not they're doing a nine man rotation. But if the tenth guy has to be in the rotation and then someone gets hurt, maybe one of these two guys can pop in yeah. with a year or two development. That's what you're looking at with these with these UDFA signings. You are not trying to do too much in terms of expectations. And I'll also say. Um, what you said about working with them and bringing them in and getting them 
you know, within your, your doors, uh, this range of the draft, especially is really about do the coaches want to work with these guys? Um, you know, I was told that the, the closest thing to a reason that I got that of the report that Sharif Cooper was not on the Knicks draft board at all. Cause that was with the amount of people in the fan base, not even you know, considering my own interest in Cooper uh, for New York or for, for teams in general. Uh, but a lot of the fan base was interested in Cooper and Mark Berman said he wasn't on their draft board at all. And I said, Oh, that's specific. That yeah. seems like, a, like a shot at someone, you know, yeah. like that. So I, I kind of dug into that and, and the, the coaches didn't want to work with the guy. Coaches didn't want to work with the guy. They didn't think that developmental pro- project was worth it in, in, for New York because the Knicks developmental coaches did not identify him as someone they wanted to bring in and work with. Yeah, Those are the guys that have to wake up every day, get dressed, go to work, and develop these guys. They don't want to do it. <laughs> You're not giving that kid the best landing spot for him. Yeah. You're already setting yourself back. Of course, they'll do it. It's their job. They're paid for it. But that's the attitude they have going into it. Maybe you do take a second look at, at why you're interested in that person. Yeah. Um, that's a big thing. Do the coaches want to work with the player? So, uh, you know, top in good family relationship with the team, regardless of what people think, um, you know, whatever leaks people want to turn into the Disney channel and, and talk about, you know, oh, do Obi and Tibbs hate each other? Find yeah. out next week on not at nine 30 on the real, <laughs> the real players I'll, of the NBA. I'll, no, I'll like throw, I just, I'll throw something a little, even more to that, you know, like, um, back when I was doing the, the hoops addicts anonymous podcast with chip, we used to get a couple of assistant coaches here and there to come on, talk players and whatnot. And what you find is that most of them are really adept because they do media stuff all of, all of the time about giving pretty, you know, script answers about some of their players. But the ones that go above and beyond to identify a specific story about what type of worker this guy is and you know, what he does for his team teammates, the coaches or what he's like in the film room or whatever. So I'm not surprised to hear you say that a little bit about Sharif too, because I do remember when we spoke to an Auburn guy, um, you know, we didn't hear anything bad at all. But when it came to like, I, if I compare that to how this person spoke about Isaac Okoro, who basically he said up and down, gym rat, absolute worker, like will absolutely run through a wall. Like this dude is going to succeed because he's just going to work as hard and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's had an up and down career in the NBA, but, you know, I mean, he's a rotational player. Um, That wasn't necessarily the case for Sharif. So, I, you know, one of the things that like, you know, you start to see here and there, like why some guys make it, some guys don't. There's a million reasons why they do or they don't. And Sharif Cooper has like amazing talent. I'm sure he still can, but you know, you start to put the pieces to the puzzle together here and there about that. Yeah, absolutely. You're never going to get someone to come on your podcast and go, Oh, we're good. We were good on him. But he gives eight out of 10 energy talking about one guy, nine out of 10 energy talking about one guy. Right. And then someone comes up and he like, is so excited to tell you about the other story. Like, yeah. And then the next person is like, mm-hmm. uh, seven out of 10 energy. And then the next guy comes up and he's like, yeah, you know, well, uh, he's really talented. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I want the guy that he couldn't stop. Like he, exactly. he was bursting at the seams trying to talk about. You want those yeah. gym rats. I say it all the time here on draft class. Like we love our psychos. We love our players that, love the game, like to a freakish and concerning extent. We, we love, we love our, players that you have to go find at the Kentucky gym at four in the morning and right. kick out and lock out like a manual quickly because that ultimately on a day-to-day basis, it's who you want on your team. You know, I always use the school project example, Jeff, I'm someone who has done the role of the person who does the whole project. Right. And I'm someone who has been told, Oh, you're not screwing up my grade. Don't right. do anything. I'm doing the right. whole project. Right. And it's like, that person who tells the other people and the, the other three people in the group of four to, that they're good, they don't have to do homework because they've got like, that's the worker I want in my I workplace I every know. day I know. running stuff. 
Yeah. And so those are the guys, you, you know, like that kind of that kind of vibe. It's not someone's fault if every single time they do a group project, they get told not to work on it and that the other person will do it because they want to ensure a good grade. But if you see someone in every group project not be the the weight puller or not pull their weight or, you know, like that, it's, it doesn't have to be a bad thing, but other people can show so many better things that make you more interested. And thanks for uh, bearing with that analogy, but no, and I know I, a lot of our I, listeners aren't still in school like me. So no, and and the, the one, and I promise I won't go on too much of a tangent on this. But the last person I heard something like that about, um, and it, it, I, I'm going to blank on the name of the coach, but he was an assistant with Baylor at the time. He's now the head coach of Kansas State. Um, he gave that praise to Davion Mitchell. He said that Davion Mitchell had come back after they won a national title and basically went to an underclassman on the team and was like, we need to get shots up in the gym. And the the underclassman was like, I have a paper due tomorrow or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he literally looked at him and was like, you trying to get an A on this paper or are you trying to go to the league? Like, that's how this dude is wired. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, I love hearing stories like that yep. about, you know, our, our uh, prospective draft guys. Hey, what's up? Jonathan Macri here with our good friends at Oakley to tell you why Jalen Brunson's incredible first season in New York was more than meets the eye. Is it that Brunson became the first point guard in Knicks history to average at least 24 points a game? Is it that he became just the second player in NBA history to average at least 24 points, six assists, and under 2.5 turnovers? No and no! It's that he did both of those things all while playing on a below-market contract that will become even more valuable under the new collective bargaining agreement. So yes, we should all be very thankful that the Mavericks had to find out the hard way that Jalen Brunson is more than meets the eye. What's up, Knicks fans? Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to Oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to Oakley.com for more information today. I was talking to, I feel like I let people in that listen to my show on like way too much of my life, but that's okay. (laughs) I was talking to my therapist recently about like the people that I am friends with and keep around me and they're all passionate. They're all driven. They're all focused. I don't have friends that like, Hey, what are you doing today? Nothing again. Like we can hang out all day and like do nothing together. It's like, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Let's do nothing all day. Like I, I, my, you know, like my friends hit me up to hang out. I'm doing a Knicks draft show. I'm doing this. Right. I hit them. I hit them up to hang out. They, they're on a business call. They have, right. a, they've got a meeting. They run, they, they have their own little company. They make music and they're serious about it and they have a record deal. You know, like I, I have, I have friends that I think are, are passionate at a level that I, I, you know, either aspire to match or that I think matches me. Um, and that, that's, you know, like you, you get out the energy of that friendship that, that you curated for it. Um, my friend that makes music, we hang out and we do like studio sessions all the time where I, I help him out. Um, I tell him what artists I think would sound good on the beats he makes. Um, like, and, and he loves that feedback for me. And then I know he's not a basketball fan, but he does get sports. So I'll send him little TikToks I make and stuff. And I'll be like, yo, rip me to shreds. 
yeah. they'll be like, okay, this was bad, but I thought this was cool. I learned a lot from this one. You know, like I, you know, this, this, you don't even have to be an expert to just want to get to work with someone, right? right? Like I, I'm the one who uh, has, you know, put in the 808 that's made the beat before. He's been like, oh my God, dude, I owe you one. Like, you're right. I'm like, no, you don't owe me anything. You're going to get me back next week when you watch my 15 minute interview with this guy. <laughs> that, that energy is the guys you want in your workplace every day. I always use the office example as someone that's worked in an office, even though I'm like 21, I, I did a real like office job uh, in my senior year of high school, um, working as an XFL and NFL agent. And that like really showed me how valuable it is to bring a smile and energy to the table every day. When I started being the cool guy in the office that always was saying yes to stuff and always helping people out, like I was getting more high leverage opportunities. I was getting entrusted with more stuff. I was, you know, we live in a world where you don't find out if you don't ask. Um, and you got to fight for all your opportunities for yourself. Some people are wired to fight tooth and nail for the opportunity to do, you know, like unpaid work and learn. And some people, you know, like, obviously I'm not trying to paint the narrative of no one wants to work anymore. I think they've been doing that unsuccessfully for over a hundred years, but anyway, I digress. Um, that, you know, like some people just don't have that drive and that doesn't, that's not some indictment on the rest of their life. Yeah. But I think you are allowed to be like, oh, I'll take the harder worker, <laughs> right? Like if you can only take one, you, it's, a, it's a league with capped roster space. You know, this is not like the NFL where, yeah, you have 52 guys, but quarterbacks usually always lead you to the title. So you pay them like, no, like you just saw in the NBA this year, the importance of depth. Everyone talks about the NBA is a star league. A stars league, a stars stars league. The CBA is only for the stars. True, um, and they kind of let them make like they kind of let that make them forget everything else. Let's let's look at the four teams that lasted. Let's go west: Denver, Lakers. Let's go east: Boston, Miami. Yeah, all these four teams have something in common. They all have a good coach. All four of them. I think all four of them are were well coached overall this season. Missoula being the one you raise an eyebrow at and then go, okay, well, he didn't do a bad job. It was his first year. Okay. We'll, we'll say good coach. Yeah. The real big thing that all NBA fans would say is they all have a top 10 player. And then the number two banana is a top 25 guy or a top 15 or top 10 guy. Uh, LeBron and AD, Joker and Murray, Butler and Bam, Tatum and Brown. But to me, what's what stands out about those four teams, like the Warriors have Steph and Dre and Clay and Wiggs, and then the depth falls off a cliff and pulls the only guy that can create his own shot off the bench. Right. Yeah, they didn't make it. Um, the Suns, oh, they had Devin Booker, top five playoff player. Yes, I said top five because I'm playing it safe because I think it's top two behind yeah. Jokic. But he got bounced in the second round. So I'm going to play it safe and not be too much of a biased Booker um, praise singer uh, and say top five. Um, oh, they, they've got the superstars, you know? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, no depth. Bounced second round. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, the Lakers and the Nuggets had great depth. And the Celtics and the Heat both have great depth. We know that Celtics may be the best roster in the NBA last season, top to bottom besides the nuggets and the heat, the success story for undrafted development and things of the sort. Um, but let's look at the two teams that made it out of the final four, right? The nuggets made it over the Lakers. The nuggets have the continuity and that, that continuity with their depth and their head coach, the heat made it over the Celtics. First year head coach for Boston, <laughs> eight time. There's what, what? What is this for Spolstra? Like his sixth or seventh finals appearance with Miami? I think it was his eighth finals appearance with Miami. Yeah. Anyway, um, just nuts, right? So the the teams with not that not the stars, the stars are the the wristbands to even get in the club in the first place to make it to the second round, but the depth. That's that little, that extra VIP band. And then in the VIP section, the continuity, the gel of the organization, of the relationships between the players, the relationships between players and coach. That was that final tip 
to the to the, you know the bottle person that landed you the the free bottle that night that was that was really what got you through and and i just think that that is not a coincidence what are your thoughts on team building in that lens and and kind of what the Knicks can do now the rest of this summer I know I'm dropping a t- no, 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 no. I, I, I mean, like I'm following what you're saying because like, as you're talking, I'm thinking about like, I think you learn a lot about a team when a new guy comes to the roster. So I'm looking at Josh Hart, right. And I'm looking at his media availability and what he's saying in press conferences and what he's saying, you know, he's praising the Knicks um, quite a bit. And he's saying, Everybody on the team is great. Everyone works really hard. I love the atmosphere. I love coming to work. We all have a common goal. We're all moving in the same direction. And when you start hearing things like that, I think it speaks to what you're saying in terms of the continuity. And, you know, I don't want to say, because this has been like a big term thrown around um, on Nick's Twitter a lot too, like, oh, are you just going to run it back and bank on internal development that has been kind of seen with a negative lens in some circles on social media? And I don't necessarily see it that way. I, I see a team that if you don't improve the team, regardless of where you end up, whether you win a championship or you get bounced in the first round or you don't make it at all, if you don't improve your roster from a talent or fit standpoint, it's, it's not a good off season and you remain stagnant. So I always want the Knicks to improve. But at the same time, um, I'm hearing what guys are saying about the team. And I see it through more of a positive lens than a negative lens in the sense that I think we have a really strong foundation of hard workers that overall buy into what the coach is selling. I'm not saying that everybody on the 15-man roster is happy with the minutes or the role that they're receiving. I don't think that's real in 95% of the teams in the NBA anyway. But I think that um, now if we zoom out and talk about this conversation in like a team building and construction going forward, I all along have been kind of someone who's erred on the side of like, I would rather the Knicks strike a deal for if they're going to, for someone that is of a tier that's lower than some of the names that have been kind of like discussed around the Beals, the cats, the whatever, because I don't find that the, the price to play in that betting game is is good enough for, I don't think the juice is good enough or I don't think the juice is good enough for the squeeze basically. Um, so I would rather, and I'm not saying this name, it's just the one that's, that's come up above because I know that there was some team that was rumored to give like four first round picks for OG and Anubi, but a player like that, a player like a wing like that, who is seen as a, a guy that plays good, solid defense can hit outside shots, can drive a little bit, but it's not going to cost you as much as some of these other players. That's the guy that I want to target. Um, those guys don't grow out on, on trees and they will cost the Knicks a bit, but not to the extent where we start looking at our future and picks available in, in later years. And it's like, damn, we really gave away three or four picks for that guy. Um, and now our salary cap is really clogged and we can't make, moves or pivot if we feel like Julius and or Jalen don't necessarily pan out as a tandem. So, but that's kind of why I have faith in this team too, because Leon, if anything, has shown us that he is very wary of making moves that are going to compromise a long-term vision. So I think that whoever we do go after, it's going to fit within that parameters overall, hopefully bring us to our goal, you know, uh, closer to our goal, which is obviously winning a championship. Yeah. I I know Jeremy has been the master at outlining plans that 
um, set up, you know, what he calls continuous soup, where you keep, keep the team building going and rotating in and out new contracts, um, and for better players and slowly upgrading and getting it going. Cause it's not just, you don't just snap your fingers and go, all right, well, now it's time to get the superstar and then also cash in the picks to upgrade to get and get the other star and then also use the rest of the picks to get the depth. And then after that, we're gonna like, uh, you can look at Denver. Nick fans want, to win a championship. Nick fans watch the NBA. Nick fans have yet as a group, as a whole, several people have made this point. I just see the replies of shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. That make me say not everyone gets it. Um, People watch the NBA. People want to win a championship. People just saw the Denver Nuggets win a championship. People don't want to do what the Denver Nuggets did to win a championship, which was be patient, keep believing in your core, adding to it year after year, improving it where necessary, going out and spending a pick on Gordon when it was time for it, going out this past summer, trading someone who the fan base loved, a homegrown talent in Monte Morris for Contavious Caldwell Pope from the Washington Wizards. That did not inspire the Nuggets fan base, but Laker fans and and they knew KCP's yeah. value to a team yeah. trying to win. I loved that move for Denver. I said, "Oh man, you got KCP and Bruce Brown out there. Those guys are going to play roles for that team." I didn't think Aaron Gordon would be so important, but when you look at Miami's depth at the four, they had to put Kevin Love out there to body him because he he forced them out of Caleb Martin. Aaron Gordon is the guy who saw that Caleb Martin Eastern Conference Finals run and was like, "It's time to put an end to this." You know? <laughs> um I think that's awesome that it was yeah. Aaron Gordon who people got on for the first four years of his career. Cause yeah. wouldn't you know it? He actually wasn't a number one scoring option. Right. This is why when Nick fans are like, Oh, we've wasted uh, four years on Julius Randle. I'm like, Oh, the first two years I think were a waste in the sense that he's never should have been a number one option. You, right. you got what you deserved with that. If you're the right. front office, but look what they parlayed that into. And now with Julius's experience as a number one going so poorly, now he knows that's not that's out of his depth. He's learned how to make quicker reads, even if they're, you know, not totally sensical to him or us at the moment while watching. Um, sometimes it's better than waiting for eight seconds to kick it out. I I, I think that he has grown in some significant ways that he wouldn't have if he didn't have that tenure as a number one option and didn't see that much failure. It was the failure that made him want to bounce back. And he just talked about it on Paul George of all people's podcast. So, um, yeah, I'm in with you on that. I I think looking at players that are just a step up for them, um, maybe making a move now that the fan base doesn't like, but sets them up long term. Um, I personally, like my guess was like, if they do deal for Levine on draft night, send out, Barrett, top in, whatever, like they would actually, if they could find a way to make it quickly instead of top in and then give up fewer picks, I could have seen that. And then they would have used top in to get a late first draft Ben Shepard to be the quickly replacement long term. And it's like, okay, yeah, that actually does kind of fit. And everyone knows that, uh, you know, as someone that covers the team and, and, um, has strong opinions at this point that I, I include as part of my coverage. I'm, I'm not the reporter that just says, there's nine minutes left. Here's the score. I, I'll always include a note like the Knicks have been unable to score in the last couple minutes. Maybe they'd be best served turning to the bench for a Hartenstein over a Robinson right now. I'll right. always include those notes because that's part of my job. And that's, I think I see it as part of my job to try and interact with my r- readers or followers on my thoughts, you yeah. know? And so um, I'm not there to be bleacher report and just report the score. Uh, you know, that's, I'm also not going in the press room and saying, Hey, why didn't you play this person more? I thought they should have played more. There's yeah. a fine, there's a line to walk. Right. Um, but getting more guys off the bench that you could say the team could hopefully turn to or adding more of that depth. That's what the contenders do. That's what they do is they build up over time. And so that's, that's, I see that as the path for the Knicks as well. Even if there is no big swing this summer, even if they literally just run it back the whole rotation, um, I think they add someone in free agency. Um, yeah. You know, I can see them moving a Fournier. 
uh, and then using some of that cap space to add someone that they think, you know, maybe brings a, a valuable veteran presence to the team. Remember, everyone in the rotation is 28 or younger. Um, maybe there's some value in taking on a veteran contract that's one year, $8 million, uh, and it doesn't seem too pretty or useful for the team and not playing the guy. And just having them as your locker room kind of like guru of how to be in the NBA. Um, I I thought Taj Gibson was really valuable for the Knicks. And honestly, (laughs) I think it's a problem league wide that there aren't enough reps to go around. The Knicks know these guys aren't going to get the reps. Why not? take advantage of the, of the 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 spot otherwise that's why i was a huge proponent of theo pinson while he was here that the, the effect was palpable it's yeah. really easy to see this as nba 2k oh you just need the best player i'll just take the guy with the highest three-point rating because then if we need a shooter we can throw him in okay they're humans right when you turn the game off it's when it's because you're done playing you're done. when you're done watching the nick game because they're down 10 or up to 30 and it's not worth it no matter what when you turn that tv off there are real people breathing heaving up and down the court like i, I just think that um the human side of this often goes underrepresented and that someone for the locker room would be a, a legitimate value add for the team. And it's not supposed to be Will Pony in, in the sense where it's like, oh, well, Trevor Keels is the real offseason acquisition, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Jericho Sims back from injury. That's the real that's the real pickup. Um, I'm not trying to be Jeff Wilpon with that, but I, I, I am trying to make a point that there are ways to add value that aren't a big flashy name. I saw Nick fans on the timeline saying at this point, just go sign trade Fournier and, and get, decline Rose's option and sign Kuzma with the cap space. Cause we need, we need to improve somewhere. Darn it. And it's like, okay, so is he going to play 15 minutes behind all NBA two time power forward, Julius Randall, or is he going to play zero minutes behind all NBA two time power forward, Julius Randall and eighth overall pick will be top in. And then you signed him for 30 million a year to do what exactly? Well, he'll be playing the three and the four. Okay. So there are these guys named Rowan and Josh, and they actually play for your team uh, at that position. Like, you know, like I just don't, what, what's this? It's like, I wanted a Nerf gun at Toys R Us. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just, just get me the tricycle. Damn it. I don't care that I can't fit yeah. on it. I want something. I'm leaving here with something. <laughs> it's like, what's up? what are we doing? So, I mean, that, yeah. it's, it's so funny because that's honestly, I had that thought today too. Um, Cause I was like, Nick's Twitter is going in on the, the, the front office. And I'm like, you're literally killing the guys for not picking anybody or trying to make a trade back into the first or second round. And it's like, you would have just crapped on them anyway. Whoever they picked, whoever it was, you know, it, it would have been somebody who you didn't feel they traded up high enough for or a prospect that you feel like didn't have the ceiling that you wanted. But that that just goes with fandom, man. I, I try try very hard. There are some days it's easier than not, but um, there is just, you know, a, a, a non-status, um, you know, satisfying piece to it that just people can't get around and and that's just is what it is yeah just gotta see um what opens up for you this offseason see if it's an opportunity worth pouncing on we know very well from donovan mitchell to gordon hayward to whoever you want to talk about that the knicks will not just uh we'll, we'll just do it ah no, that's right. It's not like, you know, like I, for me personally, I go to school in the Bronx. Like a lot of, I buy stuff off the street all the time because I don't need to go support CVS's business or whatever. They're doing all right. You know, I, I like to buy stuff from my neighbors who sell waters and things all the time. Right. Um, and I remember like I was negotiating with them for a TV stand and it was like when I was moving in and that kind of like went, a, they, they were looking for like, to, <laughs> 30 bucks for the thing. And I was like, you know what? All right, just take the 30. Like, I'll just take it. That's nothing, you know? And for, for 
the Knicks, that's not how they operate with millions of dollars. They don't just go, ah, well, oh, that's, you're, that's three more than we were willing to give you per year. But nah, you're our guy. You CAA, yeah. you're CAA yeah. in Kentucky. You just take, you just take it. You just take it. Like, no, there's a salary cap. There are penalties for going over it. They know these things. Uh, Leon Rose wants to remain hired, right? So why would he do things that are dumb on purpose just to serve family or, or friends or cl- former clients? He can't serve them anymore if he's not employed, right? Like you can't help them out if he's not employed. So if you want to point to something like Jacob Toppin as a favor, sure, do that. But that favor makes sense. They can sell that favor. It's a, it's a actual player. You know, this is not, I don't want to be disrespectful because I wish I was half as good as at basketball as Chris Smith was, but this is not Chris Smith. Exactly. Yeah. This is not that. So I think that Nick fans are right to, to think that with that precedent, that this is something, but you got to also remember that was when Leon Rose was running the team from the shadows <laughs> doling out favors to his own people, like trading for Bargnani. Um, Now Leon Rose is the one who he's doing the, he's doing the favors for himself. He's, if he's right. making the team better, he's doing himself a favor because he's keeping himself his job. Um, and that's going to be his interest over anyone else. I promise. I promise Leon Rose does not care more about getting his son's client's little brother paid than he does getting himself a job and keeping yeah. it. Like, yeah. oh, man, the conspiracy, you know, like I, th- I think I like to think that I go crazy with the conspiracy. Oh, well, you know, why would they do this, right? Like, it's, right, right. Um, tinfoil hat conspiracy. No, I'm, I'm they like, just, they run wild. And listen, like you said, I'm guilty of it too. But I think with Jacob Toppin, you, you have to, first off, I think if you haven't watched a lot of Jacob Toppin, you're more likely to feel like it's a conspiracy theory. But at the end of the day, like, there's, there's a reason for him to be on an NBA squad. Like, he was actually pretty decent in the minutes that he got, and he improved over his career. And when you have a guy that has top tier, like 5% athleticism that he does, and he now developed a little bit of a mid-range jump shot, he had some threes here and there. Okay, he was better at his decision-making. As a defender, he improved. Now you're kind of like, okay, I, I, I see it. Let's bring them into our squad. We feel like we have a good development staff. Maybe we can raise the level a little bit. Like, there's plenty of reasons for Jacob Toppin to be picked. If it wasn't by the Knicks, somebody else. Absolutely. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today, man. This was a, a blast and such a nice, calming conversation to have after such a chaotic week. Tell the people where they can find you, man. Absolutely, man. Um, pleasure was mine. Always great to chop it up with you guys can find any of my writing on nextfantv.com with all those great guys there, CP and Alex. Um, on Twitter, you can just find me rambling about the Knicks at Jeff underscore boy underscore RD. Uh, drop me a line. Speak to me whenever. Um, it's always good. All right. Go follow Jeff. Ad is on the screen. If you're up, oh, ad is on the screen. If you're watching, thanks for tuning into draft class, everyone. Catch you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.